It's time for a new evolution in raising golfers, one that doesn't involve headaches, tears, or heading down the path of unknown. Whether you're trying to introduce children to the game of golf, help them play competitively, or play at a collegiate level, you're in the right place. This show is for any parent, player, or coach who wants to build a better team at home and on the golf course. This is the Raising Golfers Podcast. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Raising Golfers Podcast. I am your host, Travis Hauser, recording here and coaching in Carlsbad, California. Another beautiful day out here. Just had our final nine-hole challenge for Operation 36 program yesterday, and we had a Halloween-themed nine-hole challenge. It was so awesome. Everybody's dressed up. We had so much fun. We actually had uh, quite a few students pass their division yardages, which is exciting. And we also have some students who've already made it up to the 200-yard division. So they have to shoot a score of 36 playing every hole from 20 yards. Pretty cool. An area that I have worked on heavily for myself over the last few years has been the mental side of the game. And for me, I think just generally speaking, not only just from a performance standpoint, but also just from an enjoyment of the game standpoint, I have come to really enjoy playing the game a lot more over the last few years. And I just love getting out there and playing. I think I attribute a lot of that to just some of the things I've done on the mental side of the game. And then also that is directly related also to the performance side for me as well. However, there's still a lot of things I'd like to learn. And today we're gonna have Jeff Gregg from Zone Athletic Performance come and join us on the podcast. This is gonna be a wonderful recording where we're gonna talk about all things mental training for junior golfers. And I would argue to say, that this episode is going to be really, really good for anybody that is involved in the game of golf. So whether you're a coach, whether you're a parent, whether you're an adult player, junior golfer, this is going to be a really, really good recording. There's so many things to take away from this episode, and there's going to be a lot to learn from Jeff and the things that he has to share in this podcast. So interesting enough, with Jeff's background and history, he was coaching golf for more than 15 years, and he discovered that how he could help golfers improve faster and play better was by showing them how to improve their mental game. So with immersion into so many aspects of performance, it's given Jeff a unique big picture and viewpoint of effective mental game training for athletes. And this unique perspective has helped Jeff develop key concepts and training processes effective for athletes of all ages and abilities. And he definitely is going to share a lot of those things in this episode. I'm so excited to share this with you guys and would love to hear your feedback. And I, I think this is kind of an episode where you're going to have to listen back to it a couple of times. And I think there's going to be so much gold and some great notes to take within it. So without further ado, let's bring Jeff into the episode. Okay, Jeff, I'm so excited to have you on and join the Raising Golfers podcast. And today what we're going to talk about is mental training and this is something that you specialize in and, and really we're going to focus on junior golf so i'm excited to have you here it's great to be here i'm looking forward to chatting with you so i'm going to start out with just a big question and you know why is mental game training so important specifically for junior golfers well there's quite a few reasons i mean we could probably talk the whole half hour just on the importance of doing it for junior <laughs> golfers especially with the you know the the context of what's going on in sports in general these days, you're seeing so many mental fitness issues, but specifically for golf, one of the biggest things that I've found is that golf can be a very frustrating game and especially frustrating for juniors 
So one of the things that I found over the years that's very important is trying to make sure that we focus more on the process than we do on the results for the juniors. Because when you get that big gap between expectations and results, that frustration that the kids can experience is really tough. And they don't have some of the tools to deal with that frustration. So really being able to focus in on the finding the joys in the process. I call it the smile source, finding the things that you really like to do in the process of getting better, as opposed to focusing on the results so you can alleviate that frustration. That That's probably the biggest one. Um, the second big one is actually there's a lot of studies out there now that tell us that screen time, and that means looking at your phone, looking at your tablet, laptop, computer, et cetera, that triggers cortisol. And the study said that your average 12 to 15 year old spends six to eight hours getting screen time. So that's triggering a lot of cortisol, which is the stress hormone. So when you're triggering that stress hormone six to eight hours a day, you need something to balance that out. And when you do some mental training, which helps train the focus and train the calm, but mostly what it's going to help you do is balance out that negative cortisol with the other brain chemicals that you can trigger from mental training, just so you feel like you're starting from ground zero instead of starting below the ground, where if all that screen time is causing all of that cortisol. Well, I think that second thing, sorry, I was just going to say, I think that second thing, it could be useful not only just for junior golfers, but I think for all of us adults as well, right? (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, what happens when you're experiencing screen time, you get this big roller coaster between cortisol and dopamine. You get uh, like if you get a little feedback from somebody or a like on your social page, something like that, you get a little spike of of, uh, dopamine, which is a feel good chemical. And then all of a sudden you get that brought down by the cortisol of just the overall screen time. And now you got this huge roller coaster and it just takes a lot of energy out of the, especially the youngsters, but everybody for sure. Mm, Totally agree. And then the other thing, the the last one is just uh, life lessons in general. When you do mental fitness training, especially when it's um, dialed in around training your focus, strengthening your focus and being able to access calm and manage your emotions that's not just good for junior golfers. That's good for life. It helps you in school. It helps you as you're going forward with relationships with family and with your friends. So it's kind of a, the immediate is we want to help the junior golfers alleviate the frustration that golf can bring up. And then we also want to help them deal with the screen time and the social media stuff, which can be really traumatic for kids. But then we want to give them a good foundation for life going forward. I think that's great. I, I want to go back to the first one and uh, connect it with also the last one that you brought up there. So, you know, having junior golfers think about the process mindset versus necessarily an outcome, you know, any advice or tips you'd give on that? Because me as a coach, like I also still struggle a bit with this, trying to help the junior golfers out. And, you know, the programs I run, we do Operation 36. So, which is, they play nine holes twice per month and they're trying to shoot a score of 36 from whatever division is and divisions like they could start 25 yards away from the hole for every hole or 50 or hundred. And as much as I stress, it's not all about the score. It's more about the experience and having fun in the process. They still can get a little bit emotional afterwards if they don't hit that number, which is understood, but trying to get them in the mindset before even that ran a golf about the process. I think if you have any tips on that, I think would be really beneficial not only for myself, but also for all the listeners out there too. Well, 
you have to create an alternate rating system. So if the rating system is only based on the score that they make, then of course they're going to be tied into that result. Mm. But if you give them, one of my favorites is mental game scorecards. So they give themselves a score for how was their mental game on that shot? How did they feel confidence-wise versus fear-wise? Or how did they feel focus-wise versus distracted-wise? So if you can give them smaller process things that they can rate and take the emphasis away from the big goal-oriented result rating, that really helps a lot. Mm, I think that's good. Yeah, I like that. So I'm, I need to think of like maybe a list of a bunch of those to put on there. Oh man, I, I can't tell you how many mental game scorecards have been come up with through the years and every single one of them is a really powerful tool. Just So a lot of that is individual. Some people need their mental game scorecard more for managing their emotions. Some mm. people need the managing need it for being able to stay in the present as opposed to being in the future or the past. So as a coach, you can just have a lot of fun with trying to come up with mental game scorecards that engage that particular athlete. Yeah, it's great. And that's really, that's across the board. So that could touch anybody from, let's just say you're a beginner golfer just starting out and going on the golf course to a person who has experience and been playing a bunch of play tournaments. Like I think you could create that type of scorecard for anybody. And then that basically would say that, you know, mental game training could, be for any type of player at any age. Yeah, actually, uh, you know, I'm working with a PGA Latin American tour player and we've been doing some mental game scorecards. He's a super talented guy, but he's never really had to learn how to dial in his focus. Mm. And so we're doing mental game scorecards where he's rating himself on his focus ability. He's basically relied on his physical ability and his ability to hit the ball a long ways and other things have underdeveloped. So there's a reason why most of the tour pros have mental game coaches as well. It's, you know, when you get to the highest level, the difference between players isn't usually skill. It's more the mental game. I believe hundred percent. It's for my own personal game. It's something I've worked on over the last five years, more than technique and swing changes or anything like that. And it's gone a long ways for me, not only just for my performance, but also just enjoyment of the game. And I think it's been great. Yeah, I mean, one of the most powerful bits of research that we've gotten in the last 10 or 15 years is that no matter how high your skill level is, you can't access it if your mental fitness isn't trained to a certain level. Mm. So what the research told us basically is that your swing is not controlled by muscle memory. Your swing is controlled by the electrical impulses from your brain. So if you don't know how to trigger the right impulses from your brain, no matter how hard you've worked at your swing, this is why the tour pros can still hit horrible shots is if you can't access the skills by using the brain correctly, all of that swing training doesn't do you any help. It's true. It makes me think as well of some other players I've seen. I was coaching golf out in China and it reminds me of um, a few players. They weren't students of mine, but they were acquaintances and they were playing you know, at a high level and they had these golf swings on the driving range. You could see them hit and it's just like, how has this person not made it like to the next level right but there's yeah. probably something in there within the mental game training that they they haven't been able to tackle yet which is hindering their performance you know to to take it to the next level yeah and for most to be honest the 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 biggest thing that i see as far as the difference when you see somebody whether it's a junior or whether it's a really high level player they haven't learned the difference between cognitive focus and sensory focus hmm. and what that means is that when you focus with the cognitive or thinking part of your brain, you're analyzing, you're using reason, um, you're using logic, 
And that is really good in the early part of the pre-shot routine to assess what shot to hit. But the sensory focus, which is your performance systems in your brain, if you can't switch over to that, you can never access all that high level of skill that you've trained. So learning how to flick the switch between cognitive focus and sensory focus is one of the things that keeps people from getting to the places that they want to get to. I believe it is. Is that something that takes a lot of time and experience to be able to do? Like, can it, you know, have you seen junior golfers at certain levels be able to switch to that at early ages? Yeah, absolutely. So obviously this is, this is a very individual area, right? Some, some kids have the ability to be present much more than other kids do. And some kids can manage their emotions better than other kids do. The bottom line is that anybody can improve. So this, the metric that I call it is recognition. Can you recognize whether you're present in your senses or whether you're distracted in your thoughts? Because thoughts and the cognitive part of the brain are always in the future or in the past. And your sensory systems are always in the present. So it's really about being able to switch from future and past to present. And there are some, you know, there's breathing exercises, there's mindfulness exercises. And when it comes to the kids, it's all about making it fun little challenges for them and game situation type of stuff for them because the kids love the games. Mm -hmm. And if you make it little challenges where they can succeed very quickly, that increases the fun level. It increases the engagement level. So if you give it to them in little stair steps, they can actually improve that recognition very quickly. Now, the strengthening so that you can do it under more and more stressful situations, that definitely takes some time. Mm. But I've seen people learn how to get recognized whether they're present or not present, whether they're lost in thoughts or whether they're focused in the moment and in their senses very, very quickly with the right drills and exercises. Yeah, I believe it. And and it's I'm sure it's like anything, it's a skill that can be trained and it probably takes, you know, the right activities to be able to engage it. I'm thinking about um, I know this podcast is about junior golf, but I'm thinking about um, some of the ladies I have in my ladies program. And sometimes I talk about awareness with them. And a lot of times their answer is, is they just say, I don't know. Like I might ask them a question, you know, whether it's, you know, within their pre-shot routine or how committed they were to the shot, or if it's just, were you thinking about anything during the swing? A lot of times they'll answer is I'm not sure, but I think it's probably just, there hasn't been enough activities to allow them to engage that to then for them to have that type of awareness to then switch to that other side away from the cognitive side of the swing. Right. And, yeah. um, I think, you know, more of that I think is going to be useful for not only, you know, us adults, but also I think for junior golfers. And like I said, I think games and activities would be a great way to help engage that, wouldn't it? Which is cool. Yeah. It's, and it, you know, part of it is a wiring thing. Uh, a lot of it comes down to, your natural brainwave patterns. So the, the higher frequency brainwave patterns bring you more towards emotions. And it's very hard to be present if your natural brainwave frequencies are in those mm. higher patterns. Uh, so a good example would be Dustin Johnson is but naturally a very low brainwave guy. So for him, it's going to be hard to raise his brainwaves and focus. He's going to just want to be action oriented. Mm. Uh, Jordan Spieth, he has very, very high brainwave natural frequency. So he's very, very emotional. So it'll be tougher for him to be present and be calm. So you have to look at each athlete, but just understanding by watching the way that they act and behave and perform, you can help them balance it out because it's all about just finding the balance for each individual.
And now let's hear a message from our show sponsor. Hey guys, this last spring I teamed up with Operation 36 here at our facility in Carlsbad, California, and it has completely changed my way of coaching and service to my customers. Operation 36 is a developmental golf program designed to take beginners from playing their first round to being able to shoot par or better for nine holes. So here's how it works. Participants attend weekly one-hour classes and work through a six-level curriculum. They then play in nine-hole events once or twice a month with a common goal to shoot 36 or better from different distances. And using the Operation 36 app, coaches can plan programs, communicate with families, and track students' progress. It's really, really cool. If you're a parent listening, search for a program near you on their website at operation36.golf forward slash juniors. And coaches, if you'd like to start a program at your facility, go to the same website, operation36.golf forward slash coaches. So like you talked about like the mind, the body, the emotions Yep. is, is like, how would, let's just say whether it's a coach or a parent working with a junior golfer, you know, how do we know if one of these is out of sync? And then would there be any questions you might want to ask a player or have players ask themselves to give themselves some kind of an, a self-assessment to then help try to kind of rebalance that? Yep. So there's three basic kinds of assessments and they're all really easy. There's the physiological assessments, and that would be your heart rate. So is your heart rate up? Is your heart rate down? Your breathing, and that's the difference there is when you get into a stressful situation. So when you're cognitive or emotional, then your breathing gets very shallow and light and rapid. So the idea of getting, you know, just paying attention to your breathing and your heart rate can tell you a lot physiologically. You can also look at uh, tension in your hands and your feet and your jaw, which is where your quickest muscles are. Um, and then the other one is eye focus. When you're tending to be less present or more stressed or more distracted, your eye focus gets very, very narrow. When you're more relaxed and more calm and you're in the performance systems, your eye focus gets wider. You take in a lot more information. Mm. And then, of course, we've got the, the, the psychological um, assessments. Everybody probably knows about those. You feel a little bit of anxiety. You feel a little bit more stress. You may even feel fear or a lack of trust. So those, um, if people, especially the kids, are comfortable talking about their emotions, it's like, well, do you feel happy? Do you feel like you can do this shot? Or do you feel like you're stressed and you're worried about, can you do this shot? Mm-hmm. And then that all ties into the mental assessments. And the mental assessments are basically just, do you feel like you're here right now paying attention with your senses? Or are you thinking about something in the future? Or are you worrying about something in the past? Mm-hmm. That's good. So I like those, that. You know, and each Uh, you're probably going to find when you're working with students or when coaches out there are working with students, most of us tend to be able to recognize certain things quicker than others. We tend to be tied into our emotions or we're tied into our physiology. So just knowing that stuff for your students ahead of time can save a huge amount of time. Mm -hmm. That's good. Do you do like when you do this type of mental game training, are you doing it like 50, 50 on the training area, like driving range or, and on the golf course, or how do you, like, oh, is there anywhere you would recommend doing these types of training activities more so? Than well, I mean, the big picture is it's very individual. Um, okay. Some people love doing mindfulness exercises and breathing exercises at home. And when they're on the course, they want to do their own thing on the course. And other people love applying uh, awareness drills and presence drills when they're at the course and don't want to do anything at home. So 
whenever you're talking about a new area that you're bringing people into, especially kids, you want to make sure they're engaged and you want to make sure it's fun. So my first job is always to find out, well, where is it that they're going to want to do this where they go, oh, yeah, this is cool. I want to be able to do this as opposed to, oh, I got to sit down for five minutes and meditate at home. Mm. So um, the, the bottom line is the most powerful for performance is always going to be on the range and at the course. But the most powerful strength building is always going to be separate from the course because that's where you build the foundation. Mm. I see. Yeah, I think that's that's really important that you say that because, you know, it, I, I think what listeners have to realize too, just beyond just the mental game training, is also that golf isn't just done at the golf course. And I think if you really want to, let's just say, take your game to the next level and listeners on this podcast, it's not all about everybody going to the tour. It's about playing the game for the rest of their lives. But yeah. let's just say you want to enjoy it more or you, you want to take your game to the next level. I think there's a lot to be said for doing things also at home away from the golf course that can add benefit to what's going to help with your, you know, the process of your golf. And again, being able to enjoy it for long term. And I think little things like that you could do on a rainy day, you could do uh, during the winter, you could do it in the summer, you could literally do it any day, as long as you're, you know, you're able to add that in. And I think that also helps with just the full immersion into the game. So I talk about this a lot with, you know, junior golfers and parents, it's like, you know, to really get engaged or have a junior golfer become engaged in the game, we have to immerse them into the game. And that even involves things as simple as like having them watch golf just on TV once in a while, right? Or have a favorite player or have a golf book at home. Things like that go a long ways. And I think you could add this into that to help with the just the immersion side of the game. So it's not just golf is at the golf course, golf is at the golf class. That's it. Yeah. Right. And I think that's I think I think that's huge. And and at the same time, you're building your 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 mental strength and and that's going to go a long ways for you, even beyond golf, which is cool. Yeah. And it's it's about context and understanding when you're trying to learn the more different contexts you can experience the same information from the deeper your understanding gets. So if you're just trying to bring home a concept at the range and that concept is only experienced by them at the range. They only have it in that context. So their understanding of it is very, very narrow. Mm -hmm. So if you can do some on the range, at the course, at the gym, at home, in different places, when you're going for a hike, uh, when you're brushing your teeth in the morning, all those different contexts give the understanding much more depth. So it has much more value for the kids. That's cool. I like that. Well, and I want to build on that because this is something I saw you post on and uh, you'll be able to add into this. So like sometimes I'll do training and I'll have the junior golfers hit shots where it's like, okay, we're going to try to hit this shot as far left as possible, or we're going to try to hit this shot as far right as possible. And then, you know, the feedback I'll either get from the students or questions that I'll get from, you know, the adults involved with the junior golfers is, well, they're still trying to work on getting the ball to go straight. Why are we trying to hit the ball left? Or why are we trying to hit the ball right? Why is that important in their training? That was a great segue, by the way. Thanks for throwing me a softball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, one of the keys to efficient improvement, and efficient improvement means you cut down the number of reps it takes and you cut down the number of time it takes, is you have to raise the person's awareness of the whole spectrum. 
So if they're trying to hit straight shots, and this is the example I used in the post, if they're trying to hit straight shots and they're slicing the ball and you're just helping them work from the slice to the straight shots, they're only experiencing a very small slice of awareness of what the swing is like. Mm -hmm. But if you take that and you have them learn to hook it, learn to slice it, and then bring it back into the middle, that is the that raising of the awareness of the full spectrum makes it much easier for them to dial in the middle. There was actually a really terrific study back in, I think it was 2007, they took a number of golfers and the goal was to hit a hundred yard wedge shot. And they practiced every day for three weeks and one group only practiced hundred yard wedge shots. So they just went after their target all the time. The second group, all they did was hit 125 and 75 yard wedge shots. So they were raising their awareness the whole time. When they brought them back together, the group that was doing the 125 and 75 performed over 30% better because their awareness was better. Hmm. That's interesting. That's very, very interesting. Yeah. And, um, you know, I would totally agree. I'm just thinking about it myself. It's like, you know, if, if you understand how to hit a hook, let's just say, then you have a better understanding of a situation you, when you have to hit a draw or vice versa. If you know how to hit a draw and there's a situation you're in the trees and you have to hit a hook, you probably have a better understanding and awareness of actually how to shape the shot in that manner because you've actually hit that shot. Or same thing the other way, right? If you've been able to hit a fade or you know how to hit a fade, you have a better chance of trying to hit a slice around a tree or whatever if you already have that feeling. But if all you've worked on is just straight shots and you have no, you know, you've, you've got nothing to take out of the toolbox and there's no sense of awareness from being at the other spectrum to be able to shape a shot. Right. And so that distance control thing is huge, too, because it's like, you know what short feels like, you know what long feels like. See, then you probably have a better gauge than be able to understand what 100 yards feels like. Right. Going from 75 to 125. Right. That's cool. Yeah, And by the way, by the way, in my experience, you don't want to talk to kids about awareness versus target. What you do is you make it a game and you say, hey, we're going to hit a hook. Hey, we're going to hit a slice. So you make it fun and make it playful. So you're stretching their awareness, but they're having a blast because they're trying to hit these crazy shots. Mm, That's cool. I like that. Do you have any other drills that are that like any coach or any parent could have their junior golfers practice that would help with whether it's their awareness or any other part of their mental game training that would be fun that you've done that you've gotten some good feedback from? Two of my favorites are speed training and effort training. So these days, everybody's trying to swing as fast as they can. Okay, right. Absolutely. And what they don't realize is that in general, you're going to hit the ball further when you're swinging a little bit less than full speed than when you're swinging at full speed because there's Mm -hmm. a lot of physiological factors. But the reason that that drill is so effective is – you get tangible evidence of if let's say you try to hit a shot at 100% of full speed, 90%, 80%, and 70%. You're going to notice that, wow, I get a lot of consistency at 80 and I don't have to swing that hard and it's really easy for me. So you start to find your window of where your most effective shots are, not where the shots that build your ego the best, but where your best shots are. And my experience is almost every golfer has about a 10% window that they can swing at speed wise with the different clubs. And it could be different for different, like the driver is usually a little higher speed than the wedges are say, but the key is again, you're becoming aware that swinging at different speeds can have different effects, not just to how far the ball goes, but how consistent and how it feels and your trust level and your emotions. Mm. Yeah. And then the other one is related to that one. 
and that is how much effort you put in the swing because we tend to associate speed with effort. The faster you go, the more effort you need to put in. But if you can learn to separate and say, hey, you know what, I'm going to go as fast as I can, but I'm going to not use all the effort I need to. So if you look at an Ernie Els swing versus a Bryson swing, so one swing is 100% speed, 100% effort. Another swing, Ernie's swing might be 100% speed, but only 70 or 80% effort. And the lower the effort level, the better it's going to hold up under pressure. That makes me think, uh, and you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but from like a technical standpoint, let's just say somebody's putting in 100% speed and 100% effort. Like in the downswing, would you see like, basically a, a big movement of the upper body going down into the ball, into the ground to try to generate speed versus let's say you go 100% speed and let's say 60, 70% effort, you're not going to see such an aggressive transition in the body moving down towards the golf ball. Is that what kind of like what you might see by doing an activity Absolutely. like that? Yeah, so you see generally what you're going to see is you're going to see less muscle groups firing and the muscle groups that do fire don't fire as hard. So that mm. makes the swing much more repeatable. I see. Yeah, that makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah. And then that probably all then ties back to like with speed and everything would then be able to find and be aware of like what tempo and what balance you're able to basically maintain through the swing, which then could probably also tie back to tension and those types of things in those areas you spoke about to yeah. then be able to find a, a swing that for each person would be optimal and most efficient for them. But doing those little games and activities, I think that's really fun. That's cool. I like those a lot. That's, you know, and I, I didn't think about it so much with speed stuff. And, and I think that's great because like you said, everybody wants to swing hard. And like, you know, when, when junior golfers show up to a golf lesson, pretty much every day, first question they ask is, are we hitting drivers today? You know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so, you know, maybe what I'll do is this week say, yeah, actually, we are going to hit drivers and we're going to do a little bit of speed training. We'll try this and then we'll try it with some other clubs, too. You know, yeah. and so that's great. I love that. That's a really good um, activity, I think you know, whether you're a parent or a coach listening, you could, you could do either of those activities and, and, and see how they go, which is really cool. Um, as a follow-up with these scorecards that you talked about, mm -hmm. do you, do you have the junior golfers then like look back on those or try to find trends within them? Or like, how do you have them analyze and assess those, those mental game scorecards, you know, after a period of time? Well, it can be used two ways. So if you've got kids that are just looking to have fun, then you don't want to have them trying to track trends too much or look at long-term patterns. It's just about basically putting a Band-Aid on a particular problem. You know, like if they're, if they're having too much trouble managing their emotions, you have them do an emotional scorecard. And as soon as that stops working, you move on to the next thing. But if you've mm -hmm. got juniors that really do want to move to the next level, absolutely, like, could be every quarter or every, you know, every four months, what you do is you look and go, and go, okay, let's take a look at your scorecards from a few months ago. How are you doing on that particular scorecard? Have you progressed from where you were before? Do we need to reinvent the all, or do we need to fine tune that scorecard to make sure it's giving you more value? So yeah, those are, they're great parameters for being able to recognize oh, you know what, I did get a lot better here. Or you know what, I need to work on this area right here because they're tangible. They're right there. That's great. So Jeff, what I want you to do is kind of give us adults it very straight here. And adults <laughs> are the coaches and the parents involved with junior golfers, right? If we're not already 
applying any type of mental game training with junior golfers, why should we start today? Well, number one is the long-term mental fitness of your junior golfers, because golf is, it's a great teaching sport, but it's also a failure sport. So if you don't teach them the, some of the basic mental fitness aspects of being able to stay calm under pressure and being able to focus under pressure and manage your emotions, then those failures are going to start to weigh heavily on them. And like, as I mentioned before, you see this a lot in other sports now, Simone Biles with her issues and Naomi Osaka with her Mm -hmm. issues. So unless a junior golfer is trying to get a college scholarship or play in the pros, what we're really trying to do with golf is give them tools to live a happier, more fulfilled life. And the physical skills won't do that. The game Mm -hmm. can do that to a certain extent because that's the nature of the game. But when you help them develop some stronger mental tools that are based around this wonderful game, then you're giving them a foundation that they can use when they go to college or when they get a job and when they start having really deep relationships with other people. For sure. I think that's, that was a perfect answer. I love that. You know, just chatting with you here, the, um, the time has flown and I, I I'm thinking right now, it's like, geez, we could do like, we could talk for 30 minutes to an hour about like each of these points would be my guess. And I'm sure there's so many more things and details and examples you could share from your professional experience that would be, you know, very beneficial with, with all the listeners and including myself and all the, you know, anybody, whether you're a coach or a parent listening. And um, I, I think it's been really, really valuable information that you've already come on and share. And I know we kind of went through some of the stuff rather quickly, but at the same time, like I'm thinking, man, I'll tell you what, there was so many good takeaways from all those things we talked about. So Jeff, if listeners would like to find out more about what you're doing, some of your programs you have, where would be the best place for them to follow you? Easiest place is just to go to my website because all of my contact information is right there on the website. And it's a very easy website to remember. It's just ggzap.com. So my initials and zap.com. And it's got phone, it's got email, it's got all my socials. Uh, so it's super easy to get a hold of me. And there's also a blog on there with a lot of the information and there's some videos on there. So there's some helpful information as well. Sweet. I'll share that into the show notes as well. So listeners can go into the show notes and click the link and go straight to the site. Jeff, you know, it's been a wonderful conversation. And, um, you know, like I said, I've I've got a bunch of other questions already in my head that I would love to ask you. And maybe we can have you come back on the podcast and dive deeper into some of these topics. But I, you know, I really, really appreciate the, um, you know, the time that you've taken to come and share with the listeners. And it was just an awesome conversation. I loved every minute of it. So thanks so much for joining. Oh, thank you. Your questions were really insightful and made it very easy to dive in. So yeah, I'd love to come back and do it again anytime. Awesome. Thanks, Jeff. You bet. What a fantastic recording there from Jeff Gregg, Zone Athletic Performance. And I think the message here is if you haven't already started applying any mental game training to your golf game or any junior golfers that you're involved with, whether you're a coach or a parent of a junior golfer, I think the time to start is right now. And I think there's so many different ways that we can scale this type of training and adapt it for different ages and abilities for our players and junior golfers. There's just so many good things in there. I hope this episode was something that was just so useful, not only for coaches, not only for parents, not only for junior golfers, but also adult players of the game. Uh, because I know for myself, it there's, there's things in here that he talked about that will truly help me in my own personal game. And I believe it will be so useful for you as well. 
So if you haven't already, go check out his website, ggzap.com. And again, any questions or follow-up you might have, you can either reach out to Jeff or I'd love to hear your feedback as well here at the Raising Golfers podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in.